we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. 1 Kings chapter number 15. I'm going to start in a peculiar spot. It's in verse number 1. But it says this, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Now we're not speaking about Abijah this evening, but Abijah is the father, uh, the father to Asa, King Asa here. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Macha, I think I said that right, the daughter of Baishalom. And he walked in all the sins of his fathers, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. So, so here's the recurring legacy, or uh, what is going to go on with this theme that is here uh, with these previous kings. Verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, for David's sake, did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem, a light, if you will, in Jerusalem, to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem, because David did that which was right in the, in the eyes of the Lord, and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now skip on down to verse number 8. It says, And Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his stead. And in the twentieth year of Jeroboam, king of Israel reigned Asa over Judah, and forty and one years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Machah, I'm saying that there again, the daughter of Abishalom. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. Refreshing here. Uh, verse, number, verse number 12 says this, And he took away the Sodomites out of the land, and removed the idols and it, that his fathers had made. And also Macha, his mother, even her he removed from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. And he brought in the things which his father had dedicated and the things which himself had dedicated into the house of the Lord, silver and gold and vessels. Now we've looked at the account in 1 Kings chapter number 15, and I'd like you to turn with me, if you will, over to 2 Chronicles chapter number 14. 2 Chronicles chapter number 14, I realized upon looking at this that I couldn't possibly cover everything in the time frame that I have this evening. So we'll hit some of the highlights here, and we'll look at it as it is here, and we'll, we'll make comment as we go. The title of the message is, Trusting God for the Events of My Life, or Trusting the Events Trusting God for the events of your life. And of course, this is through the life of King Asa. You know, the truths of this passage are ever more as much relevant today as they were in the day of Asa. Sometimes we look at the passages and we see them and we think of something that was thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago. And we look at something that we see and we, we think of something as being outdated. And certainly not in this passage. God is speaking to us through his word. And he's showing us the things that are true. And these truths are relevant today. I get to this passage, and I wrote this down. Actually, I put it on my iPad. I'm so uncomfortable doing this tonight, but I'm, I've given in, and I'm using the iPad this evening. And I often ask myself, what is God going to show me in my pursuit of him in this passage? What is it that God is going to show me? The second question that I ask is this, 
what am I going to do with what God shows me? And then lastly, and probably the, the worst part of it is, is what am I willing to disregard? And ultimately, what will it cost me? You know, there are times that we hear the truth, we see the truth, we know the truth, and we neglect it. And we've missed blessing because of it. Asa's life is, is somewhat following that pattern as he goes on. But we want to see these things tonight. The first thing I saw in that passage was the chosen light. We saw that in, in, our, in our passage in 1 Kings. And it said that for David's sake, even though this man was wicked, he gave a light. He gave a lamp by setting up his son Asa. You know, today, as you spoke and you talked about us needing light, I'm thankful that that's always brought to the forefront of things, that we need Christians who are willing to answer the call that is there. It is a ministry to accept that you would take and look at your life and say, I have a purpose in this life. Uh, unpacking the life of, of, of Asa tonight, there's much brokenness. There's much that can be said, and you would say this is a bad day for him. This is a, a terrible day for him. Uh, yet, with all that is here, he, he runs a resistance to fall into the pressure of his family lineage. Uh, we, we think of the, this passage, and uh, in Second Chronicles chapter number 13, it tells about his father, whose name was Abijam, or uh, Abijah. And uh, one commentator said of him, he says, even a broken clock is right twice a day. He speaks of kings and politicians and say, kings and politicians can do and say some good things. However, it's not necessary for the glory of God alone, uh, which, makes, uh, which makes them sinful, but to serve their own ends. And politicians or kings may give some good speeches, but they do not always live up to them. If you study the life of his father, there's one portion in his life where he gives this stirring speech, and, and people seem to follow, and, and, and he's saying it, and it turns out to be for his own political gain. It turns out to be for his own good. And, and as we look at his life, we understand this, that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, are there great things that happen? Why, sure. Uh, he's, he's a man of war. He's a, a man, uh, in fact, uh, the, the book of Chronicles speaks of the accolades. He's a, a mighty man of war. Yet the Bible commentates of him that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. That is his legacy. And yet we see of, of, of King Asa that he says, I'll have no part in this. I'll have no part in this. He also refuses to follow into the pattern of fraternal leadership. You look at the past kings that are here, and they are falling apart. One of the last things that said about Solomon, it says, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Now Solomon, King Solomon, is noted as a godly king, yet... As he finishes out his life, there's a steady decline in some of the things that he should have held to in his life. We think of some of the other kings that were there. And in 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 33, it says after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made, uh, but made again at the lowest of the people priest of the high places. Whoever would, he consecrated him and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. If you looked over at 1 Kings chapter number 14, and Rehoboam the son of Solomon reigneth in Judah. Rehoboam was 40 and, and one years when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes to put his name there. 
And his mother's name was Nama of the Ammonites. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they proved him to, to jealousy with their sins which they had committed, above all their fathers had done. So, so here's a, a legacy of past kings who has failed. They, they should have been leaders. They should have been those who, who chose to do right. They should have been those who led the people in right. Yet of this, they're failing. Now, we, we always go back to David. David seems to be the standard, the man after God's own heart. And I'm thankful that that's brought to light even the passage that we see here. But of the man Asa, we do see his resolution to fill his position in the fear of the Lord. Look with me at, at, uh, at the passage. It says in, in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, uh, verse number 1, So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. It's great when we can break the trend. It's great when we can break the pattern of that which is not right. A number of years ago, my wife and I went to a couple's retreat. And it was, it was rather exciting. We did a whole lot of laughing. We had a great time on that retreat. We went to the, the forsaken land of Ohio, and uh, we were there and, and just, just had a great time. Uh, but the speaker kept saying this. They said, today is a new day for you. It's time to break the chain. Today is a new day for you. It's time to break the chain. And, and we looked around us, and praise God that he's given us such a, a blessed marriage. Yes, we're not perfect. Yes, we have problems just like every other couple that's out there. Yes, we go through the struggles of the day in and day out, just like everybody else does. But far and wide, God has richly blessed us. We did a lot of, a lot of, a lot of joy sharing, a lot of, a lot of laughing, a little bit of chuckling here and there. But I remember the speaker saying that, today is a new day. You can break the chain. And Asa stands and he says, I'm going to stand in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to do that which was right. It doesn't matter what leadership has done before me. It doesn't matter which of my family has said, well, we're going to do what we want to. I'm going to do right. Well, that's what we need today. I heard, I heard one of the young men speak about camp and they said, no reservations, no restrictions, just God. Brother Troy, I don't know if that was the title of one of the messages but it should have been, because that's what they came back with. Uh, no, no reservations, no restrictions, just God. Can, can we say that in our life? Many folks are not following the Lord because they don't know the Lord. Some don't know the Lord because they've never sought him. And many know what the Lord wants of us, but we refuse to follow him. Tonight, have you chosen to follow him? Have you chosen to fulfill your ministry as that light? Boy, it was a dark world that he lived in, just like as it's a dark world that we live in today. Yet he says, I am going to live as that chosen light. The second thing I see about the life of Asa is that he demonstrates a clear leadership. Uh, we've read verse 1 and verse 2. Look at verse number 3. It says, For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and broke down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. So here's a man and he steps to the plate and he says, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to. I'm going to do something that is unprecedented. And he, he takes away the altars. He breaks down the high places. He casts away the images and the groves. And, and we say of this man that he has a resolve to stand for the Lord. 
Now, you want to begin to speak about where folks are most passionate. Often it is in their place of worship. And if somebody came in here tonight and said, the Tabernacle Baptist Church can no longer preach from the Word of God, I know what we would do. We'd have service on Sunday, and we'd have service on Wednesday, and we would continue to preach from the Word of God, and we would depend upon Him. There's no need for secret meetings. There's no need to hide from it. We're going to stand on the precepts of the Word of God. Now, these people have been hit where they worship. Asa steps in and he says, well, hang on a second. I'm going to take, all away, uh, take away all of your places of pagan worship. All of the tools that you use for worship, I'm going to take those, and you're no longer going to have them. And beyond that, I'm going to do something that's very uncommon. I'm going to make a national commandment that you must worship the Lord. Imagine how popular that would be in today's climate of the day when people don't want to be told what to do and people don't want to follow by somebody else's leadership. Yet Asa sends and says, I'm going to stand in that leadership. He does that which is unpopular. Look at verse number five. He took away out of all the cities of Judah, the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. Uh, they, they, they like those quiet times, if you haven't figured out with uh, the past kings. The past kings, they, they war. They war against each other. Uh, the, the, the broken kingdom between Rehoboam and Jeroboam and Israel and Judah and the fightings and the warrings that go on from them. And, and it's, it's terrible for them. And yet of Asa, it's, it's said that he has quiet times. Look on at verse number six. And he built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest and he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Isn't it great when God gives to us rest? He, he fortifies the city. He says, I'm unyielding. I'm not willing to give away that which is ours. I'm not willing to take that which is ours and give it to a pagan nation so that they may have it. How many times have we let down the fence and allowed our guard to be down and said, you can have it? Uh, spiritually, we've said, well, you, you, you can have that. I'm going to give back that land. I'm going to give back that standard and let you have these things. Verse number seven says this, therefore he said unto Judah, let us build this, these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side so they built and prospered. Yeah, he, he's unwavering in his resolve there. Verse eight, and Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000 uh, and out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, two hundred and Four score thousand, all these were mighty men of valor. So here's this unmatched group of people that are here as, as his army. And of course, trouble indeed does come. There's a, a point of war, but uh, of this, we don't see any yielding in this. Verse 9 says this, And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousands. I'm not real good at math, but I think it's like a million people. There's a million people that are in his army and 300 chariots and came unto Meresha. Then Asa went out against him and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zarephath and Meresha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, now no, let, me, let me stop there before I read this next phrase. Most of us are wringing our hands at this point in time saying, wait a second, there's literally a million people who are there as an army and they've got these tanks or these chariots right in front of us and they're surrounding us. They're coming at us, and, and they're all outnumbered almost two to one at this point in time, if I've done my math right. They're, they're about ready to, uh, to go into this. But instead of saying, well, let's rally the battle, he says this, Lord, it is nothing with thee. 
to help. Whether with many or whether with them that have no power, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against the multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee. It sounds like a prayer of dependence to me. It sounds like he gets up to the spot where they're seemingly going to have some issues. And he says, God, we need your help. And I'm depending fully upon you. Um, verse, verse number 12, So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them under Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil. Now the Bible doesn't tell us all of the statistics of how many of their million-man march got taken out in all of that, but God gave the victory. And I, I want to correlate with the idea that he decided that he was going to serve the Lord and that he was going to lead his people in this and that they were going to depend upon him. Now, are we there tonight? We're going to follow the leadership that's in front of us. We're going to be obedient as God has led our leadership. And we're going to say, God, we, we trust in you. We don't have a million-man army standing against us. We don't have 300 chariots circling the camp this evening, but we've got our own set of obstacles this evening. And I want to say of this, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord for whatever battle is in front of us. It may seem insurmountable. It may seem as though we're outnumbered two to one, but I'm going to trust the Lord. <clears throat> I'm going to follow the leadership that is in front of me. Well, lastly, uh, there, there's so much more that I could say about this man. Uh, in fact, I need to say a little bit of it. There's a point in time where he has to deal with some of the sin that is in the camp. And some of the, the sin that is in the camp revolves around his family. And, and he says, Mom, Grandmother, I, I don't really care about the family heritage that we have here. Uh, I'm going to take away the legacy that was my father's, the legacy that is yours. And I'm going to pull down the idols that you have. In fact, to the point that I'm going to make a demonstration, I'm going to burn that idol in a public place so that all will see. And so that we'll continue to follow the Lord. Uh, verse, verse number eight of chapter 15, it says he took courage. He put away the abominable idols. He renewed the altar of the Lord in verse number eight. The Bible says in verse number 11, and they offered up unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. Anytime I see a number like that, I always want to do the math of figuring how much that was worth. I figured it's worth $3.9 million worth of oxen and $3.5 million worth of sheep. He said, we're going to offer all of this to the Lord. Yeah, he's, he's not afraid of, of worshiping the Lord. Uh, he, he calls for the people of the Lord to seek them, enters into a covenant that the people of the Lord would seek him. And, and verse number 15, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath. Well, they had sworn with their heart and sought him with their whole heart, with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. It goes to begin to speak about the removing of this idol. In verse number 17, But the high place were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. It's pretty exciting to think of the leadership that he offers to these people. And how the, the people of Judah will follow him. And they'll have blessing because of it. But the last thing that I want to see of this, we've seen the, the chosen light. We've seen the clear leadership. We want to see also that his crit critical lapse. And that's found in chapter number 16. It says in the 6th and 13th year 
The 30th year of the reign of Asa, uh, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might not let none go out, uh, out or come into Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasure of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadid, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee. I can read the rest of this passage here, but I'd invite you to read that on your own time, verses 1 through 6, and see what ultimately transpires there. But he says of this, I'm going to make a league with a pagan nation so that we don't have some of the battles that we're facing right now. Dave Ramsey says of the financial world, he says, learning from the mistakes of others is far less painful than making them your, your, on your own. You know, spiritually, there's a great application there. So this man says, well, I, I don't want to war against Israel, but here it is, inevitably, that we're going to face it. I've got a solution. And, and he jumps to the solution very quickly. He says, I'm going to take all of the, uh, the gold and the silver that is in the temple, and I'm going to go back to the Syrian nation, and I'm going to say, here are our goods. Let's league together. L look on at the, what the prophet says. In verse number 8 of chapter 16, were not the Ethiopians and Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. The times that we've walked in our own strength. The times that we've gone in our lives and said, I can do this. Remember his previous prayer, he said, Lord, it's nothing for you. Whether they be mighty or whether they be just those of no power, God, we're going to depend on you. God, we're going to trust in you. And instead of trusting in God, he says, I'm going to make a league. And he has a failure to follow national precepts in, in looking at where, where they should be with the relationship of God. He has a failure to align as, as he aligns with these sinful people. He is a failure as he disregards the message of the Lord, for he had been previously warned that he should listen and hearken to the things of the Lord. And he ultimately has a failure to rest in the care of the Lord. Verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Here thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth, Thou shalt have wars. I wonder tonight, where are we? Is, is your heart perfect toward the Lord? There are so many distractions. There are so many things that take our attention away from the Lord. Uh, I think often of how many times I hear that ding sound on my phone, and, and I've got to pick it up to find out who's texted or who's given me a... Uh, an email or what Facebook message has come up that I really don't need to see anyway. And all of these distractions, all of these things that ultimately could take my eyes off the Lord if I'm not careful about it. And, and he speaks to us. And he, and he gives to us some clarity in the word of God. Boy, I think of some of the messages that pastor has preached recently. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I feel like sometimes pastor has my journal and he's reading through it and say, yeah, Bob's struggling this area. And Bob's having a terrible time with this, this issue, and, and he's dealing with this sin in his life, and he sees this that he needs to be fortified in. And, and Pastor, would you stop reading my journal? And yet I speak facetiously, knowing that the Holy Spirit of God is moving him. 
And as we're presented with those things, we have a decision to make. Am I going to answer the call? Am I going to follow the leadership that is there? Am I going to follow what the, the Lord reveals to me in the scripture? Or am I going to make this critical lapse? Am I going to take my eyes off the Lord? I've done it both ways. I know which works out the best. And so do you this evening. Are you following him? Are you resting in him? Are you keeping your eyes on him? Are you following him? Are you seeking him? Asa gives us some great things here in the scripture. I pray that we can see these and I pray that we can live these things tonight. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.